Once again, it's just an honor to have Dave up here with us. As we were driving back from Mount Dora and as we were driving down there, I'm telling you, it felt like a really long way. So it's having Tanya and Chris here this morning, having Dave here tonight, it kind of makes the world a little bit smaller for us to remember uh, that while it seems like we're uh, really far apart in distance, in Christ, we're actually all very closely connected. And to have the opportunity for us to go down there and uh, see what they do and the great relationship they have uh, with the churches in their community and with the community there, it was just really impressive and exciting. Uh, and I've, as some of you know, I've been studying over the last year. I've been studying counseling, and uh, I'm very passionate about what they're doing there. And I, I really think it's a, it's a very positive thing for these kids and uh, what they're going through. And so now we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about the escape. Now, when you think about an escape, uh, there's several things that may come to your mind. This may surprise you, but I think in terms of sports, and so there's just a quick picture that's going to pop up here. You don't have to look at it for very long. I'm not even, I'm not even going to discuss the picture, but this is something that comes to my mind when I think of an escape, because uh, it was a very narrow escape. But back when I, just after I graduated high school, my first real job was uh, working at a golf course. Now, to give you a little reference, I want, in just a second, Troy's going to show you what I looked like uh, at this time so you can get a visual. So, Troy, go ahead. Hey, this is Alex, once again, here with the hover mowers. We got a very... Yeah, so just let it sit there for a second so y'all can see. You can tell that when I played football, I didn't need a helmet because I had my own back in high school. My hair was much bigger, especially in the back. It came down past my shoulders. You can't tell that much in this blurry video. This, te- this was also shot on my phone. So this tells you how far phone videos have come since I was in high school. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago. It was only eight years ago. Uh, but here's my hair. It was also blonde, which may surprise you. Uh, my dad owns a hair place, whatever you call that. And uh, he used to always hi- uh, highlight my hair. So I had blonde hair all through high school. And for the first year or two of college, when Allison met me, I was a curly, blonde-headed kid, and it was kind of weird. But I started doing that when NSYNC was cool, and uh, of course they're not anymore, so I let it go. Um, We still like them, but anyway, so I'm going to tell you about a great escape we had. We were driving, uh, of course, everywhere we went, we drove golf carts, because that's what you do when you work at a golf golf course. It's fun, it's exciting, and I was an 18-year-old boy, and so that was fun and exciting for me, and we had this golf cart, and we rode it to every hole when we had something to do, and we'd throw our weed eaters in the back and take off, and uh, of course, it was me and my best friend, and I won't tell you that we never raced or anything on the golf cart, because that probably happened a time or two, but there's one particular day that comes to my mind. It was raining, and so you know what happens to, to concrete and pavement when it's raining, uh, it gets wet and slippery. And so we were out on, I can't remember what hole it was or what we were doing, but we were kind of cutting up a little bit because when it rains and you're in maintenance, things kind of slow down a little bit. Uh, and we couldn't really weed eat in the rain. Well, I guess we could have, but they, they told us to stop. And we jumped in this golf cart, and it was closer back to the clubhouse to go backwards down the holes. And that's what all of our friends that worked there were doing. 
Uh, of course, they were much older, and they were working full-time jobs. We were just doing summer jobs. They knew what they were doing. We didn't. And so, so we followed them back up the golf, uh, golf cart track uh, towards the clubhouse. Well, of course, the course is designed for your cart to go forward on the holes. And so going backwards, there was this really steep hill, okay? And we were both in the same golf cart, and I was driving, and so I start coming down that hill, and I just completely felt the control of this cart lose me, okay? I lost all control of the cart. But suddenly, as an 18-year-old boy, I was in Fast and the Furious. You know, I'm flying down this hill, and it's wet, and I'm just going to drift around this curve. That was a good idea, right? And so as we come down, I, I just kind of said a quick prayer and just kind of held the wheel the best as I could. And you wouldn't believe it, we perfectly drifted around the corner. And it just barely missed the trees on both sides of the cart path. And I really felt like a, like a superstar, I'm telling you. Because it was awesome. I just slid around there and went. And I felt like I escaped a very severe injury at this time. Uh, Troy, go ahead to the next picture. This right here is called a hover mower or a fly mower. Fly mow is what the probably says on the front or on the side somewhere. And this is one thing we did a lot of times. We would go around to those sand pits. Maybe you have wondered in the past, how do they mow down in those fingers of that pit? Well, we had a special fly mower, and it would, with the blade spun, and it kind of hovered above the air just about, I mean, you know, very small amount. And it hovered, and you could, you could make it get into the fingers of the thing. Well, one day, I had my iPod. It was one of those uh, that had no screen on it which is kind of crazy now to think about. Uh, and I had it in my pocket, had my music on, and I was, I was jamming as I was fly mowing. And suddenly my foot started to burn badly. So, of course, I looked down, and there were fire ants all over my leg. Okay, And we were in the, close to a finger of a sand pit. And so I immediately started focusing more on the fire ants than I was the dangerous hover mower that was in my hand. And I kicked my shoes off, and this thing's still running, because I didn't take my hand off of it. And uh, I took, I'm doing like this, and holding on to the, the fly mo, and suddenly I hear something go, kung, 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 Well, I look back, and I had run over my shoe, okay? I ran completely over my shoe, and completely destroyed my work shoes. Of course, they weren't in great condition in the first place. But I destroyed my shoe, and I just thought, you know, I just escaped a really terrible injury. Because if my foot would have still been in that shoe, I would have been headed to the emergency room pretty quickly. And it was a bad situation to be in. But we've all had these moments of great escape. Maybe in your head, you think about uh, a time when you were driving and you almost had a car wreck. And somehow, by the grace of God, you survived with no injuries or maybe you didn't even wreck at all. I think of several times in my life. I mean, it's not that often. But I think of several times in my life where I felt very close to a wreck. But I didn't. And I felt like there was no way I was not going to wreck. But I didn't. We've all had these moments of great escape. And it's always shocking when you walk away from it. But when you hear the word escape, it always implies that there was some sort of unwanted event that was about to happen, 
but didn't because you escaped. Whether it's injury, uh, whether it's your shoe got ran over uh, and your foot could have been destroyed, uh, or maybe you escaped flipping a golf cart, uh, or on a sports side of escape, maybe you just escaped with a win. You just barely won the game. But there's always something negative that was supposed to happen or was about to happen that you survived and you escaped from. Back in July, we went to Camp Nayati. And our theme for camp was the great escape. And I may have talked about it briefly with you before. But every lesson of the week, throughout the week at night, they, they built on each other. And uh, so the kids hopefully remember this. You may not, but I hope you do. Uh, camp started with the, the topic, sin is the lock. That was Sunday night. Then Monday night was faith is the key. Then Tuesday night, Joseph came and spoke to us about Christ is the door. And then the Wednesday night lesson was salvation is our escape. And that was my topic. And I'm going to present to you a little bit of what we talked about that night, about how we have escaped from sin through salvation. Now, we're about to go through uh, how salvation is typically talked about uh, within the church. Uh, We look at it uh, in different ways, but this is one way. Um, We say we've got the steps of salvation. There's five steps to salvation. And the first one is here, Romans 10, 17. You must hear the gospel. Then the second one is that you must believe the gospel, Hebrews eleven six. Then the third step is repent, Acts two thirty eight. The fourth step is confess, Romans ten nine through ten. Of course, there's more than just these scriptures listed, but this is an example of how we typically present it. And then be baptized, Mark sixteen fifteen through sixteen. Now all these things that you see up here are very true, they're very biblical, they're very scriptural, they're very important, that we must take part in each of these steps at some point in our lives. But I believe that there has been a problem with the way some of us view these things. I believe there's been an issue with the way we look at this list of things that I have on the board. We view it as a checklist or a to-do list. Now, I want you to think about a checklist or think about a to-do list. How many people in here use a checklist or a to-do list? Just raise your hand real high where we can see you. So that's probably over half of our congregation uses a checklist or a to-do list. So you should be very familiar with what I'm about to talk about. Uh, checklists are important. Some of you that raised your hand, you're in the back of your head, you're thinking, what are you talking about? I can't even function without a to-do list or a checklist. And that may be true. Uh, there, and there's certain times I like to use a checklist or to-do list. And Joseph will tell you there's other times where I need to be using a to-do list. And I don't exactly use it the best way I can. Uh, but you think about something like camp or uh, something like the mission trip to Mount Dora. I have to use a to-do list or I will get off track on what needs to happen between now and next tomorrow. I need to say tomorrow. Or what needs to happen between now and when we go on that trip. Because usually I have to make several to-do lists. Okay, right now, between now and next month, I need to make this phone call or that phone call, and, uh, and that's going to 
get me uh, to the next step, which is going to get me to the next step, and then eventually we're going to be on our trip, and just at that point, we'll pray that everything works out. Um, so I just want to hear from some of you. When do you use a to-do list or a checklist? Yeah. Every day? Okay. What do you use it for? What you need to do every single day? Anybody else? What do you use a checklist for, a to-do list? Work? Probably. Groceries? Anything else? Homework? When you got a full course load, you have to get on there and write down every single thing that you have to get done or else, right? Um, that's one thing that I'm still getting back in the swing. Now, I know you're thinking, dude, you've been in school for a whole year. You're, you should be back in the swing by now. But I'm still getting used to graduate school and having a certain amount of pages to read by next week. You know, I may have 100 pages to read by next Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow, This Tuesday, I start class. And one of my classes hasn't sent us any information or a syllabus or anything. And so I may get in class and he say, by next Tuesday, I need you to have the first five chapters read. And there I am up the creek, haven't had any kind of leg up, and I'm heading that way. Okay, so school, homework, uh, was there anything else that you use a checklist with? Errands. I got to go check the mail, got to walk to the mailbox. Uh, <laughs> Allison's rolling her eyes at me. Uh, I guess I don't make a to-do list for checking the mail. Uh, but you make a list. Uh, I got to go check my mail. Uh, I've got to check my email. Uh, I got to go uh, fix supper. Uh, maybe you make those to-do lists. Now, from those of you who do use a to-do list, what do you do with it when you're finished? After you've checked everything off the list. Start another one, okay? What do you do with the last one? You throw it in the garbage, right? Recycle it. Throw it in the recycle bin or uh, flip the paper and start another one. Um, and unless, it's, unless you do the same thing every single day, um, you probably throw it in the trash. Uh, for me, I use my phone when I use a to-do list. I know that's a surprise. Um, I use technology, and my to-do list is with me in my pocket. And in fact, if I'm using a to-do list, which doesn't always happen, but if I am using it, it even pops up on my watch, on my wrist right here. And uh, I can even click it and check it off the list and then on to the next thing. And it keeps me on track. But like you said, a lot of times when you use a checklist or a to-do list, you throw it away when you're finished with it. And when we view something as a checklist, we view it as when this is done and this is done and this is done, I'm finished and I don't have to look back at it. Now, my fear is that that's how we view... Troy, just go back one spot. My fear is that that's how we view this list. That we are looking at this list, and I know a lot of us have already been baptized. Some of you have not. But those of us who have been baptized, I fear that we look at this list We've checked all those items off, and we're finished. And now we're just in cruise control until Jesus returns. And I'm going to tell you something, that really terrifies me. And it scares me that I may do that myself. 
that when I look at this list, I say, yeah, I've done all those things. I was baptized when I was 10 years old. But I pray that when I was 10 years old, I didn't throw this list away. That I didn't say, now that I've checked all those items off the list, I'm finished and I can move on with my life. So Troy, go ahead and hop up uh, two slides. So I want to look at here first. Here in the gospel. You can't just hear the gospel one time. You can't just hear God's word one time. And then once you hear it, you're finished. You have to listen to it the rest of your life. From the time you were baptized, from the time before that, to the time after it, to the day you die, I pray that you will hear the gospel every single day. That you will listen to God speak to you every single day of your life. Go ahead to the next one. Believe. Now what if you're baptized, you believe, but then you let your belief falter. You let your belief go. You lose your faith in God over time. It's not going to work. If you lose your faith, if you quit believing in Him, once you're baptized, it's kind of obvious. It's not going to help you too much. Belief is something that has to continue throughout every single day of your life. And we as Christians have to be finding ways every single day to increase our faith. Now that may be going out and seeing God's creation. That may be looking into His Word and being more convinced every single day of our life that God's Word was spoken and that He gave it to us to study, to learn about Him. There's a variety of ways that you can increase your faith. But as a Christian, this has to be something that is a part of every single day of your life, is increasing your faith. Go ahead to the next one. Repent. Do sins stop once you're baptized? No. They don't. But unfortunately, for some of us, and I've been in the, I've been in the same camp, but for some of us, when we're baptized and we've repented of our sins, that's the last time we ever experience true repentance. That's the last time we ever practice repentance. Repentance is something that we do. It's often defined as a complete, what is it? 180, away from your sins and back to God. Now, if that's not something that we do every day, there's a problem. Because we should be repenting of our sins and turning towards God and walking towards Him every single day of our lives. And that's extremely important for Christians. But often, like I said, we view this as a one-time event. Repentance. I've repented of all my sins and I am doing what I'm supposed to do. I did what I was supposed to do. But in fact... It's something that we must do every single day. Confession. Confession. Before you're baptized, you stand before the public, whether it's a congregation, whether it's your family, whether it's your your spouse, whoever it is, and you say, they ask you a very important question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And you say, I do. 
Now, I hope that's not the last time that you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For some people, it is. For some people, you come out of the water after you've confessed that Christ is the Son of God, and we go back into our workplaces, and we never tell another soul that Christ is the Son of God. In Mark chapter 16, verses, verse 15, we are told to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This, this right here, confession, once again, is something that is supposed to be part of every single day of your life. Every single day of your life, you should be striving and looking for someone to tell about our Savior. But unfortunately, we look at these steps and we say, I've confessed already. I confessed. You know, imagine if I did that. I'm 26 years old. 16 years ago, I was baptized. June of 2001. Imagine if I said, yeah, I confessed that Jesus was the Son of God back in June of 2001. That's not my Christian responsibility. My Christian responsibility is on that day I'm agreeing to Christ that I'm going to tell the world about Him every single day. It is what I am. It is what I'm supposed to do. Do I fail sometimes? I do. I know you do too. But we should be striving to tell people about the good news, the gospel. It's what Kirk talked about with us last week. Now, baptism. I want you to look at John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And of course, this is our word of the week, and so I want to focus a little bit more on on what the Bible says about baptism. But also, because it looks as if it's a single act, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that it is a single act. But what you're going to see in Scripture is that baptism is something that affects you every day of your life. Or it should. So look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sins. So I want you to think about that verse, what you, what you read there. I'll read it again. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Now the way I read that is that as long as we continue in our life, to walk in the light of Jesus, to walk in the light of Christ, then His blood continues to cleanse us. His blood, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And just like with repentance, we are called to repent of our sins daily. We are called to repent of our sins very often. As often as we sin, sometimes we feel that we should come to someone and repent of those sins, go to God and repent of those sins. But just as we are called to repent of our sins, we are called to remember that every single day our sins continue to be cleansed as long as we are walking in the light of Christ. 
This is a lifelong commitment. Sometimes people are baptized because they think that that's the one thing they've got to do to become a Christian and to live a life as a Christian. But when you're baptized in those waters that Joseph talked about this morning, you are committing to having your sins cleansed every single day, every moment, the rest of your life. Just like you're committing to hearing the gospel every day, the rest of your life, confessing the Son of God, repenting of your sins, and believing in Christ, you are committing to something like that. And it's a big commitment. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to look at two verses in Romans chapter 6 before we close out. We're, we're almost done. I want to look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1 first. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? The blood of Christ doesn't give you permission to go and live your life, the rest of your life, just however you want to. But when you're baptized, you once again, you accept that your sins are going to be forgiven time and time again as long as what? You are walking in the light. We just read it. And so I want you to realize that viewing salvation as a checklist is dangerous. Viewing salvation as a checklist can sometimes cause us to think that we're finished, that our duty as a Christian is done, And that we've done what we were supposed to do and now we can do what we want to do because we were baptized 16 years ago. And it's very dangerous. And this happens because of how we interact with lists on a daily basis. We often create checklists that help us reach our goals. We say, if I study, listen, take notes, kiss up to my teacher, then I'm going to get a good grade. If I practice every single day and I work out afterwards and then I run on the weekends and kiss up to my coach, then I'm going to get to play and I'm going to make it to the next level. If I work 80 hours a week and I get ahead while I'm at home even and then go work on the weekends, then I'll get the promotion that I want. And we see that as if I do this and I do this, I'm going to reach my goal. And we often think when we look at these steps of salvation that if we complete this step, complete this step, complete this step, that I can earn my salvation. But you cannot earn it. You cannot earn salvation because Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Remember, as long as you're walking in the light, And you are doing those steps, not just once, not just twice, but every single day of your life. These steps are about a relationship with God. We present them in that way often because it's convenient and we can put it on a small thing and give it to someone and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to reflect on it. And we have to remember that that list is not just a checklist. That list is something that each of us are expected to do every single day. 
And if you have forgotten that, I pray that you'll turn back to Christ. And that you'll recommit to hearing His Word, confessing that He's the Son of God, and that you can repent of your sins, believe in Him. And if you've never been baptized, I pray that you can come up here tonight and for the first time in your life, do something with Christ and commit to following these things the rest of your life. If you have a need, please come forward as we stand and sing.